Hi, and welcome to SpondyCast, where we bring together the best medical minds, thought leaders, scientists, patients, and caregivers to inform and inspire the spondylitis community. I'm your host, Jill Miller, living my best spa life, knowing that how we meet today has the power to change everything going forward. Hi, and welcome to SpondyCast. Today, our guest once again is Dr. Afton Hassett, who is the author of The Chronic Pain Reset, an innovative pain self-management book written for patients that was just released in September of this year. She is also a licensed clinical psychologist and an associate professor and director of pain and opioid research at the Department of Anesthesiology at the University of Michigan. She's a principal investigator at the Chronic Pain and Fatigue Research Center, where she conducts interdisciplinary research related to exploring the role of positive emotions in people with pain, as well as developing novel interventions to promote resilience and better pain self-management. She has published over 100 articles, peer-reviewed scientific journals, and is a leader in the field of resilience and pain. She's also the past president of the Association of Rheumatology Professionals, a division of the American College of Rheumatology. Dr. Hassett, I'm so Jill. happy to have you back. <laughs> I'm so happy to be back. I'm really excited for this conversation. I've been kind of waiting on pins and needles to hear your thoughts. I know. So for our listeners, I'll give a bit of a background. We interviewed you a few months ago, and we I'm fascinated by our ability to control our pain, uh, and you are too. So uh when you had mentioned that you had a book coming out, you were kind enough um, and it showed up one day on a really like long week <laughs> where there was a lot of pain in my life. Uh, ah. And I started reading and I sat at my kitchen table and I was, I fired you off an email and said, I'm going to do this. And uh, so I've been working on the chronic pain reset. So tell me, I want to talk because I, I think everyone should read this book. I actually think it should Thank be you. added into like, every doctor's uh, like notes that the patient yeah. gets. So tell me what inspired the book. Oh, so, well, first of all, thank you for having me back. This is so exciting. Um, so the book was kind of a labor of love. And so I think what we as academics are often frustrated by is we can make some amazing advances. And we learn incredible things about, um, about the things we study. In, in our case, it's pain. But many of these discoveries never make it to the people who could benefit most. It doesn't make it to patients. It doesn't make it to regular clinical care. And so based on that um, frustration, about midway through the pandemic, I decided, you know, I don't think I need to rewatch all the Star Wars movies again. I probably should do something better with my time. And I decided that, uh, you know what, it's kind of now or never. Why don't I write this book and write it for people with chronic pain and for, and for their clinicians? And the service I really wanted to do more than anything was to translate these really kind of high-level concepts about how the brain processes pain and, and the role that emotions play and the role that our thoughts play and the role that our behaviors and our friendships all play in actually shaping the structure and the function of your brain and thus impacting pain. And so to do this, um, I really needed to lean on my colleagues at the Chronic Pain and Fatigue Research Center and say, hey, you know, nobody knows more about these the subject than you folks, that you people are on the front lines doing this neuroscience research. 
And so we need to um, come up with ways to translate this, to gently tell people all that they really kind of need to know about this exciting research. And so I just started writing the chapters, the chapters that really provide this rich background. And hopefully I've done so in a way that feels really accessible. And I rewrote some of the chapters probably eight times, having people read and give feedback so that these really complex concepts could be made understandable and even usable. So that's kind of yeah. the background. That And I love the translational research piece, right? That yeah. this is, it, and it does really translate well, by the way. Uh, oh, thank you. So we, you've broken it down into three sections, which I think are really, the way you did this was really cool. Uh, the first is, talks about a lot of the research, some yeah. people's lived experience, and it breaks it into, you call it, you have the power to hit reset. Yeah. In that vein, I think the mo the biggest thing I came away with in that section is, and I want you to explain this a bit, is neurons that fire together wire together. Yeah. I loved when you sent that email saying, oh my gosh, you had me at neurons that fire together, wire together. And that is just a really um, basic but lifelong kind of concept of neuroscience that the more that a brain does an activity, the more likely it'll be able to do it again. And so you can think of it in terms of something as simple as learning to ride a bike, that at first you are really off kilter and it makes no sense and you feel really wobbly. And then kind of once you get it and do it for a while, the brain knows how to do that. That's part of our procedural memory. It just becomes really tightly ingrained in. But again, no thought almost is involved in that, right? Because the brain has now learned what are the movements to do. The same thing is true of pain, unfortunately, that it seems that the more that we experience a particular pain, say it could be coming up from your knee, perhaps you have bad osteoarthritis of the knee, and that message is sent over and over and over again. Well, there is some rewiring that can take place because of that. And now that pain, that signal has been overlearned. And what we understand with, with a process called we call nociplastic pain is that that's pain that is predominantly driven by the brain, that either the brain is um, over or amplifying the signal that's coming in. So like a little teeny hurt is now felt like a huge hurt in the brain as it's processed, or in nosoplastic pain, the brain is actually creating the pain on its own, as we might see like in phantom limb pain. Right. But, and I think you even say in the book, is it Dr. Claw talks about yes. uh, being at, uh, being at a conference somewhere and someone said, well, that's not real pain. And yes. he, I can't remember the exact story, but he kind of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He kind of lost his mind and was like, no, yes. it is real pain. It's coming yeah. from our bodies. It's yes. And you guys have a very different way of looking at pain. I think a very progressive um, and evidence-based way of looking at pain control. Yeah. And so no, no, th thank you. Yeah, you know, no, thank you for saying that. And actually, it, 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 it is us, but it's not just us. It really is what's going on in pain science around the world. And, and I think sometimes pain science almost gets divorced from kind of clinical medical science. <laughs> and even our, our residents and medical students don't get a lot of training um, in pain. 
And so we do understand that pain can come in many different forms. It can be inflammatory pain, which is very common in autoimmune disease. It can be like mechanical pain, like we would see in osteoarthritis, where bone and bone is kind of the grinding pain. Or it can be neuropathic pain, where perhaps a nerve is being impinged on. But then there's this fourth kind of pain. This is this this nosoplastic pain that really is more the dr driven by the brain. But this nosoplastic, this brain-driven pain can also be superimposed on the other types of pain. So you can have an inflammatory condition like rheumatoid arthritis and also have nosoplastic pain too. So maybe the doctor is able to quell your rheumatoid arthritis. The disease is, is the disease activity is very low, but yet you still have all over body pain. What is that? Oh, that okay. is now, yeah, the nosoplastic pain. And it's about 40% of people with lupus, about 25% of people with rheumatoid arthritis have this kind of superimposed nosoplastic pain. And sometimes it's diagnosed as fibromyalgia. But what it is, is it's really unsettling and hard to go about your life with it. Yeah. And so the, in the first section of the book, you t take us through a lot of research around yeah. how you got to the 30-day reset. So I want to get there. Yes. That's Sure. That's so exciting. Okay. So yeah. why don't you explain if I, if I was buying this book and I got through yeah. section one, which yeah. is really laying the foundation for yeah. what is part two, which is activities and skills and practices yeah. for a better and more pain-free life. So talk through what a reader should be doing if they get, if they decide to do the 30 day challenge. Well, first of all, I hope that they'll read the first section because it isn't just kind of pain science. It also, um, each chapter is very short and hopefully very understandable. And we talk about everything from uh, the way we think to our emotions, how our positive emotions and negative emotions impact pain and how amazing processes like our friendships or activity or sleep or even having a sense of purpose in life or you know, having feelings of gratitude, how all of these things really do play in into how you experience pain, but also your general well-being. And so hopefully once you've gotten through those short chapters and along the way, probably heard some really great stories from some of the, uh, the lived experiences. We can kind of come back to that later and talk about these beautiful stories. But once you get to the activity skills and practices, I hope that you're now the reader is sold on. Hey, OK, wait a sec. I see how this might work. I kind of get how having a little more joy in my life and activity and friendships actually might impact my brain and how it might change my pain. And so at that point, then we're like, okay, we're bought in. We, we think that these, these little things might be helpful. Then what the 30 days um, involves is every day you have a little two page, a little two page entry that you read and it introduces a new activity, skill, or practice. And it could be anything from mindful breathing to, um, to, uh, uh, activity pacing so you don't induce a pain flare to how to you know improve your sleep to um, you know how to induce more positive emotions to do you know get back to doing some of the things you want to do so it's just a really broad array of things and so every day you you wake up you take a look at this thing um, let's say it's a breathing practice there are some instructions about why this might be important how to try the breathing practice. And then what you would do if you really like the breathing practice and might want to make it a, something you do in the future. But, but each day you just kind of pass judgment. Is this something that feels like I'd want to do, that makes sense to me, that feels like it could be helpful for my 
for my pain. And um, you make a little star. If you think this is something you like, you make a little star. And then you go on to the next day and you you look at the next one. The next one might be something that you find ridiculous and think, okay, I'm going to try it for the day. I'm going to suspend my down. I'm going to try it. At the end of the day, you might not find it so ridiculous. Or if you do find it ridiculous, you just make a note and that's something that you can set aside. The goal is that you try each of these one a day over the 30 days, but you can take longer if you need. Um, and at the end of it, you can look back at those 30 activities and identify anywhere from five to 20 that feel like it could be something that could be helpful for you in the long run. And um, what you do once you're done with that, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that's kind of the third part of the book. But yeah. Jill, I'd love to hear a little bit about your experience. Okay, so um, let me try let me, that. Yeah, this has been really fun. And let me set the stage on this one. Yeah. So I don't even remember. I, it's been, what, a couple months since we, well, it was like July, August. Yeah, I think and so. I did come home and it was sitting on my table. I opened up. I was like, my, what is this? Opened it up, started digging into it. You know, suitcase was still by the door. And, uh, <laughs> and at the time I was kind of in this, I don't know, kind of like constant flary state for quite a while and uh, and trying to fight fight fire firefight it i guess if you will yeah. through continuing a, a regular schedule like most of us have to do mm -hmm. um and i opened it up and i started reading and i will say i got through like mm -hmm. the third or fifth chapter and then i was like oh no i'm skipping to the i'm skipping to part two <gasps> i did go back and read uh, some of it but again and i always say I'm just, yeah so which is totally uh, okay i mean it's your own yeah. adventure go ahead Right. It is kind of a choose your own adventure. And that's what I love yeah. about it. So yeah. interestingly, so I, uh, and I made some notes where I'm, you, you can't see us, but we're looking at the book. Uh, and what I found was a lot of these things we already know, right. And I'll just read off of, yeah. um, you know, they go from paste breathing to savoring to sleep habits, to getting into nature, uh, taking an all a day, which yeah. I don't know, but I'm looking forward to it. Uh, so my approach was try to get, you know, out of the 30 days, maybe 22 ish. Uh, yeah. And I may have, I may have gone 60% this time, but, but yeah. a lot of these are things that we know. And I, mm -hmm. I started in order um, mm -hmm. with paced breathing. Um, and as I am flipping through, I, I did make notes because I think that's really important. Like the data collection yeah. piece of what works for us because we're all so different, mm -hmm. especially in these yeah. autoimmune diseases. Um, on day one, I noted, right, like I felt slowed down and my focus mm -hmm. increased, which generally, if my focus increases off of pain when I'm in pain, mm -hmm. that's a positive. Um, yeah. The progressive muscle relaxation and for anyone listening, these, it's really about a 10 minute, 15 minute commitment a day, right? Yeah. For most of That's these, uh, the progressive muscle relaxation, relaxation worked a lot. Um, mm. One that I popped in my own was we did uh, an episode on Feldenkrais, and that mm. was very interesting for me. And I, I kind of picked that one day <laughs> to do instead. But it's yeah. it's a little bit like recognizing, are am I waiting too much on one hip versus another, and how do I? Yeah, just being thoughtful about where feelings are coming from in your body. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. 
guided imagery. I had not done too much of before, but I did do that one. Uh, and I noticed, uh, for me, I was feeling, and it, I was feeling less frenetic, mm. uh, than normal, which probably for my own situation increases pain, right? When you're doing so many things and there's so many things going on that you're just yeah. kind of, um, letting things spiral. Cause you're not focused. That's my opinion. Um, and I also did on that one, I noted uh, that the Insight Timer, um, and there are resources on aftonhassett.com where mm -hmm. people can look because a lot of these are, so they're, right, none of these things really at the end of the day are also, none of them are expensive. Right. They're all something most of us can accomplish. 80% uh, of them are probably you can accomplish from your couch, right? Yes. Um, oh, exactly. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of these, it just stopping savoring is one of my favorite mm -hmm. because we all move so fast and we forget, but just getting to a point where you like, so appreciate what's in front of you. For me, it, it was food. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's having your mouth water. Uh, mm -hmm. And the most interesting one, and some of these I was familiar with, and I do some of these things on a regular basis. Um, gratitude's another one. We're going to do an episode mm -hmm. on gratitude in a few weeks here, which I'm very excited about. The, uh, the one on the arts. Yeah. That one was a surprise, I guess. And we don't mm -hmm. think, like, we always think like, well, we need to be out in nature but this was yeah. go and intentionally mm -hmm. do something related to the arts. Yeah. Uh, and I recently had the privilege of being in New York. So I, yeah, this past week. So I used that one, one of the days, which was, what did you do? Well, so I, my plan originally, and then I got derailed mm -hmm. by work stuff, but uh, my plan originally was like to do, go to the theater, do MoMA mm -hmm. or something. Uh, what I ended up doing was walking through Chelsea where all the galleries yeah. oh. and just peeking in the windows and looking at the different yeah. artists and, mm -hmm. and really spending time just, it was like a museum walking tour, if you will. Yeah. And then I walked the High Line um, along the Hudson and went out to, which I also could, would consider art, which is... Yeah. Uh, this sustainable little island off New York that they built. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, yeah. So I just tried to appreciate the really New York, which in itself yeah. is New York, uh, no matter where you're at. And I, but I tried to keep that front of mind. Uh, I do want to go back soon and go do the things I had yeah. planned to do. Uh, but I, but always just say, I, I love that because I think what, what's so important about um, doing these activity skills and practices is it's going to be different for everybody. And I love that you didn't feel like you had to go to a museum to do the activity. Sometimes it's just as beautiful, to, like you said, to look in the galleries, you're appreciating art. And we don't have to go to these big, expensive, um, heavily um, burdensome types of activities to get at the basic principles of this. So I just wanted to comment because I thought yeah. that was really a nice adaptation. I will say I ended it with um, a, a visit to a a vintage, uh, which I also considered as part of my art journey, um, mm -hmm. to a vintage thrift store that supports the yeah. opera in New York and bought a couple of really cool, like vintage 
shirts and uh, lovely. That was my excuse for calling it the arts so that I could spend the money I wanted. Works <laughs> for me. But within this, this is the other one that's really interesting. And I I actually didn't do it this last couple months, but uh, is forgive. Mm. And talk about that. Well, I went through that journey a while ago. Yeah. Uh, of realizing that when you forgive someone, what when you forgive someone, it's for you. It's not for the other yeah. person necessarily. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know, I didn't read it. So I didn't read it, this one, but it's the, mm -hmm. you put it in the domain of adaptive thoughts. Mm -hmm. Yes. Which yeah. I think is interesting because it can release stuff mm -hmm. when we forgive and yeah, because forgiveness is both thought and emotional. And we often see that sometimes we carry just tremendous stress in our bodies when we are resentful and angry and feel aggrieved. And it's really powerful to, you know, to open that door and be willing to, to forgive because we've all been wronged. And sometimes we've been wronged in such egregious ways. It's hard to think how you would forgive, but our bodies do pay a price for, for having those, those types of feelings. And so you know, often people say, wow, <laughs> it was amazing how I was able to sleep better. And we all know that when people start sleeping better, often their pain gets better, even just that piece. Yeah, it's... It's shocking how liberating mm -hmm. that can be. Uh, yeah. The other one I love is best possible self. Mm -hmm. And this, I think, also goes toward almost like imagery, probably mm -hmm. in the same domain. Yeah. Uh, exactly. The sitting down and being intentional about who you yeah. want to be. Mm -hmm. uh, is really interesting. And do you have patients that have tried this and been successful? Oh, yeah. Or so I think, I think, I think one of the things I hear over and over from from people who, who develop diseases and chronic pain, is that um, their life gets pretty disrupted. You know, yeah. many people actually lose the trajectory they were on. They're no longer able to do their career. They're no longer able to be an athlete or, or work full time or whatever the, the original trajectory is on. And, and you, you often can suffer a real sense of loss, loss of self, loss of direction. And then, you know, you end up kind of down that rabbit hole of going to many, many physicians and your whole life kind of becomes being sick. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's like, you know, a lot of us have. exactly. And you're in its survival. And that's kind of where you're at. But we, when we're able to turn the corner to decide, hey, okay, so this is my circumstance. And while I probably can't go down route A, <laughs> I need to identify route B that is going to still feel valuable. And best possible self, I think, is a way to help people do that. Because it says, take into context, I'm still going to have pain and still have illness, but I'm picturing where I want to be when I'm my best possible self, doing the things that are meaningful and seeing myself in that position. And I think that's so powerful to start to move us towards this new sense of self um, esteem and also of having a new sense of purpose or meaning in life. Cause those are really powerful elements um, for good health across the board. Purpose in life is so associated with everything from survival to um, better disease outcomes. And it's certainly less pain. Yeah, for sure. And that one, 
the purpose in life can take that. Okay. So that let's be yeah. frank. That one is not a single day. <laughs> no, it isn't, but it opens a door. Yeah. Yes. And all of these are not single day. They all just right. open a door. Right. Yeah. And those are uh, the purpose and best possible self. Yeah. It's also, it's all very multidimensional as an, as yes. I said, and look yes. at your, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm almost looking at like the multidimensional behind you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it is, and I mean, it's, it, it, I know it's not crazy to say like, this is almost like, let's manifest what we want, right? Yes. That's not and, crazy. Why is that crazy? No, I don't think it's crazy. I mean, and I, yeah. I also, one of the places uh, I went to year, a couple of years ago on the best possible self side, and I'm right, still every day is a work in progress because then like the yeah. more you the more you know, the less you know about the world yeah. or who you are. And uh, the one place where I found a lot of it, I can't remember if we discussed this last time, was Joe Dispenza, right? Who does a lot mm. of uh, a lot of meditation, but a lot of it is meditating about what you want to leave behind and who, what you right. want to be going forward. And I, I found that to be transformational like a few years ago was... Mm -hmm unreal. And I'm, I'm probably slacking a little bit um, on doing it. Uh, and then music, mm -hmm. this one, uh, my approach. So I'm not a huge like music person, mm -hmm. but for his, and for my own personal situation, uh, I, I have four songs I listen to every morning when I wake up. That's my grind. And yeah. I've been doing it for a couple of years because I feel like everything else spins. So having that mm -hmm. ground me and I breathe a little bit, maybe I incorporate like mm -hmm. six minutes while I'm doing that. Yeah. But it, uh, does it matter what music or is it just? No. This is, so you have a music practice. Yeah. So, so the idea was that, you know, music is medicine in some cultures and it, and it can be here and it's treated as such even in operating rooms you know certain music can be more helpful for healing and or decreasing you know a sense of pain so music really is very powerful that's why you see um you know musicians in hospitals and piano stuff like that but we all have our unique music practice and you've got a really cool one you know you you sound like you have something that's really ingrained and something that helps you every day kind of find your footing and yeah. that's super powerful. Yeah. And it's music that I think like I choose it's, there's mm -hmm. a lot of music out there and I have two teenagers. Yeah. So yes, yes. <laughs> but I choose to put music in my ears. Yeah. What I put in is how I, but you could listen to Taylor. I, I love Taylor Swift. So I could listen to Taylor yeah. Swift, too, but, but I have my four and I, it started because I was traveling so much and so much craziness yeah. was going on and I needed something that was the same every day, no matter where I was on the road, at home, traveling, work-wise. Um, okay, so let's, we should move to the last, the final okay. portion. So one of the things I think is important, we didn't really talk about, so we're going to talk about the thriving plan. Mm -hmm. And as we get into this, the, you've got a lovely spreadsheet in here, or mm -hmm. a matrix, yes. or matrix. Uh, is the domains. Yes. So those yeah. are like the areas of, so uh -huh. all of those 30 days of activities mm -hmm. fall into six 
dimensions or domains. And so, so when we think about a really good plan for your, for your, your well-being, for your health, your well-being and your pain management, it's not just one thing, right? So we have, um, we have the need to move. That's kind of a key thing. That's one thing we really know about chronic pain is one of the most important things is getting people moving. Some form of exercise or stretching or movement is absolutely um, a key piece of it. But also a key domain is also sleep. You know, if your sleep is disturbed, that's one of the most low hanging fruit. We want, we want to fix that domain first, right? Get that domain. But then also our thoughts are really important. Are we coping well with what's coming our way? Do we have thoughts that are really disruptive? You know, that do we ruminate a lot? Are we really tough on ourselves? Do we allow the bad chatter to overwhelm us? You know, does that impact our emotions? Another domain, kind of the emotional domain. You know, are we depressed? Are we anxious? Are we just kind of meh and need to bring right. some more joy in our lives, right? So we ideally want to kind of address each of these domains with something. And what I ask, um, you know, the reader to do is kind of, you know, you're your best um, judge of what needs to be done. Yeah, you know what symptom bothers you the most. You know what domain feels the most disruptive. And the book will kind of help guide you. Say, hey, if you've got depression, we probably want that treated because everything else can you know, perhaps improve because of that. Or if your sleep is disrupted, that domain, let's, let's focus on that first. Because if we can get you sleeping better, we will likely get you thinking more comfortably in your, in, and, and led with less fog. And we'll have, you know, you'll have more energy to maybe do your activities and your pain will get better. So, you know, again, the domains help us organize because what we do when we walk out of those 30 days of uh, those 30 days of practices, ideally we have kind of a list of things we are interested in doing. Now, how do you operationalize them? And that's what the thriving plan is about is to slowly one by one operationalize what you've learned over the last 30 days or so about yourself. And you're right, Jill, some people won't even, you know, won't have time to do all 30. That's fine. Some people will want to do all 30, but it'll take them 40 days to do it. That's fine, too. When you get to the other side of your journey, it's then what's next. And the Thriving Plan just helps you prioritize, you know, picking one of these activities that you learned about, maybe two of them, and putting them to work. And then if they do seem to work in your life, I want people to try for at least two weeks. So let's say it's a breathing practice. Try that for two weeks and see if that fits in your life and that and you seem to get some relief from it and you actually like it, then let's look at making that a habit. And that's kind of where we go next in the next few chapters of the book is to iteratively build this thriving practice. And so you find something you like for the first two weeks, you try it, you're going to kind of integrate it. Um, maybe it's something you do first thing in the morning, but you also now feel like you want to start a walking program and you also want to get in nature. So maybe your walking program takes you outside and now you've, entered into adding a new activity into your plan. And what happens is these things kind of slowly stack up and they just become like your music every morning. It just becomes what you do because it's grounding and it works. Yeah. And I'm going to read them off because I think they're great. Okay. There's actually one we didn't even touch on, which I want to get to. Uh, The relaxation. Yes. And then the goal. Okay. So I'll read them and then we'll talk about kind of the next steps. And relationships we didn't talk about. That's the one I would, yes. So relaxation, healthy sleep habits, adaptive thoughts, which is, would be like the reframing or Mm -hmm. uh, gratitude, 
physical activity we talked about, mm -hmm. positive emotions. So music mm -hmm. is medicine, mm -hmm. uh, nature, mm -hmm. social connections, and meaning mm -hmm. and purpose. So let's go back to social yes. connections because I take this one for granted. Yeah. It's my yes. And to, and to our detriment, right? It's our social connections are so important and have some of the most powerful health impacts. Our um, our current Surgeon General, uh, Vivek Murthy, is um, really uh, invested in understanding the impact of loneliness on poor health outcomes and has written about it eloquently and has made it part of kind of our national strategy to think about this because the data show that our interpersonal relationships are one of the most important aspects of our potential health or poor health. Yeah, and I will, I'm, I'm, I wanna ask you, but I think we can put an asterisk mm -hmm. here, is that we, mm -hmm. uh, we did interview, oh my goodness, her name uh, is escaping me. She's in Denver uh, mm -hmm. and she's a clinical psychologist that works with chronic disease. And she did caution me, which was, for me, I'm so extroverted and connecting with people yeah. comes before mm -hmm. everything else, right? So I just do yeah. that naturally. Uh, but she had made a caution that sometimes we're telling people that they need to connect and it's creating more stress because they're not people, mm. connect. but it doesn't mean, so we all have a different level yes. on this connection, yes. mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that we can be lip, like, I don't think we can thrive in isolation as human beings. Right. Yeah. So it's I, I think for everyone. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, and it's, and it's so good because some people, they just need one person in their lives or two people in their lives to feel connected, to feel supported, to feel loved. That's great. Other people, like you said, you know, need to have a rich circle of friends. But the main thing is having healthy relationships. The people in your life are folks that are su supportive and, uh, and kind and, and there for you. Because the converse, if you have toxic relationships in your life, the data are bad for that. You, the, right. Your toxic relationships make your health worse. And there's a cumulative effect. The, the more time you spend in these hard and frustrating social situations, the, the harder it is on, you, on your stress systems, on your body. Yeah. And the older I get, there was, uh, the older I get, I have figured out that healthy relationships means you share values, you respect boundaries and you understand what people are afraid of. Yeah. That's oh, interesting. Yeah. My own personal breakdown, but I think it's, it covers yeah. almost the gamut, but yeah, it is that it's when things are toxic, I think communication and just reaching out. But then I think also people, when it comes to social connection, sometimes have a different way of uh, mm -hmm. serving others that, mm -hmm is really unique. So I'm, because this, when you look at this rubric, as I stare at yeah. it, so I apologize for anyone who's not looking at it. <laughs> uh, to me, so there's domain as a column, then you're what is primary for you and in, in what you mm -hmm. like out of those 30, secondary, mm -hmm. what's most exciting, and then what you're going to prioritize. And mm -hmm. there's endless combinations here. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I have to say, I didn't finish that part of the homework on what the thriving plan is, but uh, uh -huh. that I gave myself. But I do think that this is all of these 30 fall into this. So is the goal to kind of mm -hmm. find something in each of the domains. And yeah. that is indicative. Like if you can, if you can, I don't want to say master, uh, mm -hmm. if you can explore 
and play with one in each of the domains, mm -hmm. there is relief on the other side in some way. Yeah, I, I, I so agree. And I, and I think, you know, we all will create a different plan and we all will use, I mean, really truly the, the, the uh, grid that I've created in the book is really a suggestion. It's just like, hey, this is one way that you can kind of organize this information. I, I also see people coming after the 30 days and just have identifying three things that they love and just put them right to work. <laughs> and that's yep. just what they do. Yep. But then maybe a year from now, revisiting the book, I've talked to other people and they said, you know, I can see myself coming back and rereading and revisiting mm -hmm. this. And then, you know, then thinking, okay, hey, my sleep is all disrupted now. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what what is she saying about fixing sleep and then and putting that in or you know wow i feel like i'm ready to move to the next level i feel like you know i, I need to do better with stress i'm getting out there more in the world you know how do i now integrate these things so again it's very much a create your own adventure but the most important thing is to experience it is to you know do as much of the 30 days as possible identify these and pick a couple of these and, and, and let them be keepers and if you do want to do the more advanced you know thriving plan more power to you i love that that's kind of how i see you know the, uh, the whole thing kind of coming together but i would love to um you know i would love to create a, a clinician's manual next i think and so i think to have people work with each other. So perhaps, you know, health coaches or physical therapists or psychologists that can work with people who have read the book and say, hey, let's do this together and help organize. I feel like that would be a really powerful way to take it to the next level. I do too. And I, uh, I actually think there are a lot of organizations that could benefit from this book. Yeah, really? <laughs> we all come back to work and we, yeah, we'll start our back in the office because I think everything that's in here goes far beyond pain control. Yes. Yeah. It goes and, into and, the thriving sector. Yes. In general. Yes. Uh, so yeah, this is fascinating. So, okay. Any closing thoughts? Cause I think we, we, we're, we should wrap oh, up. Um, this is great. And thank you for sharing yeah. yourself with us. In the world oh, I'm so happy to do that. Oh my goodness, no, no, and I, and I was so fun to, to talk with you, and I feel like I've kind of enjoyed this journey with you from from afar. And uh, and yeah, no, it, it, the the book is Chronic Pain Reset. It can be found on AptonHassett.com, and also Amazon and Barnes and Noble online. And I'm so excited for people to get it and to try it and send me notes. I would love to hear how other people are experiencing this book. Yeah, and sure. um, yeah, and it, 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 it's. It, I am on Instagram. Yeah, I'm just starting to, I'm just creating a new account. So I'd love to hear from people there too. I'm also on X or Twitter, whatever we're calling it these oh, yeah. days. <laughs> I All right. We will definitely have to um, share this one once it is aired. And yeah, Great. thank you so much. Thanks for all this work. It's, uh, I think there is the ripple effect in my mind is going to be enormous. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Jill. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. SpondyCast was made possible by donations from the Spondylitis Association of America's individual members and our show's corporate sponsor, AbbVie. Since our founding in 1983, the Spondylitis Association of America has been the face, voice, and leading nationwide nonprofit, educating, empowering, and advocating for people living with spondyloarthritis. Through our extensive work with patients, the medical community, and partners, we provide information and resources to help people impacted by the disease live better lives and champion research to find a cure.